Hello and welcome everybody to a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Talk. It's Aurélien, uh, the Real Estate Coaching Circle. And um, I'm today with Glenn, glennsutherland.com and Darcy, darcywhite.ca. Today we will be discussing when should you start or when are you ready to start raising capital? I know I was having a conversation last time uh, with um, uh, somebody who does uh, who's interested in doing land development. And they were telling me that they were looking into a, a capital raise, a course about raising capital. And and they asked me, they shared with me, you know, the cost and what they would be learning. And uh, and I thought of, of it afterwards, and uh, particularly in the context of our podcast today, um, when are you ready to raise capital? I think when you when you master the craft. Uh, I would say once you have successfully completed a few a few cycles, for example, if you do a, the birth strategy where you buy, renovate, uh, rent, refinance, repeat, you do you have done a few of those, uh, then you master the the this, and then also you may have want to have gone through a few hardships yourselves. Uh, yourself that way you you know you 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 get you train the muscle of finding solutions when problems arise i think um that's one thing and in terms of mindset um you really need to care about that money more than if it were your own and and i think it only makes sense you know people who will invest with you especially more sophisticated people we want to see a track record so it goes back to what i was saying about having gone through the the cycle a few times and done well you know if you've done well with your own money then you can you can start looking at the bigger deals more deals at the same time and then start looking at the people investing with you and offering uh, people to it because you know there are two ways to look at it but raising uh capital you can see it as a uh, as a you provide people with an opportunity you know once you master your craft you provide people with an opportunity to have their money work for them and work for them uh, you work at working at getting their money to work for them and um, and a, a tip uh, i was given is when you raise capital when you invest with other people's money uh, the sooner they see their return on their money the the happier your investors will be and uh, yeah, so these are my thoughts on uh, when are you ready to, to start raising capital? I, I completely agree. I, my points are very similar. Um, whenever I, I probably did about 10 projects uh, in the U.S. before I raised any capital. When I did my projects in Canada, I probably did about 10 projects and I did it all of my own money as well. And the thing was, it was terrifying to take someone else's money, just like Ari was saying. Mm. I yep. was terrified to lose someone else's money. I was worried. You should be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't have the, you know, uh, I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, mm -hmm. And it was really concerning that I just yeah. really didn't want to have that on my conscience <laughs> or even like your, your track record. You don't want to have to, like, I love that I can say at this point, I've never lost anyone any money. Um, see, but you know, stuff yeah. goes out of plan. Sometimes we didn't get the returns we were hoping for. But I have never lost money. And that was, um, and even when I do my underwriting, I want it to be safe. I, um, but basically, to go back to this, you, you need to do some of this yourself first. You need to be um, the people who jump straight into raising money on their very first project. Honestly, I'm 
I'm concerned about the people who are investing. Did they not do any due diligence on these people at all? Uh, I had a person I interviewed on my other podcast, Canadian Investing in the U.S., and they'd never invested in Canada before, and they were going to start investing in turnkey properties in Detroit. And their whole thing is they were going to perfect burr every single project. And they went, (laughs) yeah, with turnkey, with turnkey. Okay. Yeah. And how did it go? Please tell me how it went. (laughs) He tells me about how like, oh yeah, it's so going so good. And what he was basically, he'd taken some other courses and he turned into a professional capital raiser and he was good at it. And they had raised, I think they were starting 10 projects all at once, right off the start, all with other people's money. And I never aired the episode. I was terrified. I'm like, I don't want anyone from my, to be, I don't want to be associated with, you know, even promoting this because I'm like, he doesn't have the track record. He has never gone through a refinance. He has never gone through the sale at the end. He has never finished a project. How, how how can you go around raising money for that? Like the, um, what's the term for it? But like the basic, it's terrifying. It's, it's terrifying that you haven't went through full, full project, full like Ari was saying, done the full thing. Done if you're doing burrs, the full refinance. If you're doing sell sales, the full sale. Because you know, there is people, even if they're Canadian investors and they go into the US, they don't understand some of the intricacies of working with FHA, VA, all these complicated programs in the US, which honestly aren't that complicated, but they're just not the same as CMHC, right? Mm. So you have to, you should have done at least one off the yeah. start, or you used one did one um what do you call it? proof of concept you worked with someone who fully understood the risks ideally wasn't really raising capital it was like uh, a close friend family member someone yeah. who understood what you're doing if you couldn't afford this to do when you're starting but honestly you need to do a proof of concept first before you go raise money and once you've done that you you understand the issues you've seen most of the obstacles, at least in a, in a good, clean transaction. Um, and and you are concerned about losing people's money and you're underwriting to reflect that. Then, then you're probably, in my opinion, you're probably ready then. Agreed. You, Darcy. Yeah. Um, I think I, I wrote, you know, you were, you're going to raise money. And we talked about, talked about this about 25 episodes ago. You would take on partners and raise other people's money because you need them. You wouldn't do it if you had the money on your own. So now you're entering into a two-party or more um, negotiated partnership. Um, I think the other party has the right to expect that you're experienced and you're ready. Um, Some of my checklist items would be, you know, I totally agree. You already have to have experience. You have to have skin in the game in terms of money into the deal yourself and experience. So would you say if it was your first project and you were in a position where you needed to raise the money right from the get-go, that you were also putting skin in the game? Absolutely. I'd lead with my own money. Yep. Uh, And we did the first deals. I led with my own money. I I fully financed myself. And then my next three deals were with my brother and his family. So we were all in, or, you know, you can barely tell us apart. Um, So the next three deals, and then we were, you know, we were 
$8 million worth of assets or 10 million in assets before we even raised money for the first project with other people and did it carefully, really carefully. And I was big on proving it beforehand. Um, I had some insecurities about it. Why would anyone do this for me? I know I could make it. I know that it would work. I was absolutely certain. Um, you know, to people on the outside that haven't done this, when we talk about risk, we're talking about qualified, specific, manageable risk. Nobody here is gambling. I don't enter into agreement unless I'm absolutely certain it's going to succeed and make money. So when you talk about risk, I'm not talking about taking a wild shot at something and hoping. I have a, a well-tested plan for success. So with my verifiable track record. I was going to say, and it probably came from doing this before that you even understand how to write your risk. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I take I took Don Campbell's core in addition to my own experiences at my real estate um, uh, property management uh, certificate from UBC from Sauter School of Business. I've read. You can see the shelf behind my back here. There's 26 books on the on the counter they that I'm working on currently. Do audio, they cannot see any of that. Okay, yeah, the rest <laughs> of you guys can, right? You can see all the shelves. That's just a portion <laughs> of the shelves of books. I think I've read 600 books on real estate investing, yeah. and I'm not exaggerating here. In addition to like 22 years of experience and a show and a show me record and my well thought out business plan with an exit, a clear exit, how we're going to wrap this up, um, a holding and a reporting structure, uh, the asset under exclusive control. I don't raise a nickel until I actually have the asset under control. So I've already put my name or my partners, my general partners, my brother, and my sister's name on that property before. So it's not a pig and a poke. It's not like, hey, give me your money. I'm going to hold on to it for 120 days while I find the right project. I'm already committed. I'm already absolutely certain. My name's on the contract for sale. I have exclusive control of that property. It's not going to wriggle off the hook. And I've done my due diligence. I've picked the community. I've already assessed whether this is right or not. I know there's value already in the property before I'm buying it. And I'm buying it at the right price. So all that's taken care of. I can prove it. So when they say, is this worth it? I say, yeah, here's the appraisal. Here's the market appraisal. Here's what we're buying it for. There's already built-in value. You're already buying value. I can prove it. So they asked me how I know this. Here, show you. Here's my here's my research. I did my work. Um, I have key individuals committed. That'd be uh, my team, uh, be my lawyer, my accountants. All those people are already on the team and they're committed. I've got that all locked down. There's no loose edges here. Um, I usually already have an appraisal in hand, a phase one and a building condition report. So I've already spent $10,000 and probably 130, 150 hours on the project. I'm well invested. And if I monetize my value to, to my business at about $1,000 an hour, I'm 20 grand into this before I ask anyone else for a nickel and I'm leading with my money. So that's that's all done before I meet the first person, before I talk to the first person. We're already there. Larson, ben? I have a question for you. I got a question. Yeah. Um, maybe it's slightly jumping the gun. You might be uncovering this. Yeah. To shortcut this process, or even Ari, you might be able to answer this too. Would this be a possibility to shortcut this process to start raising money earlier by bringing in, say, a key principal or someone else who is experienced? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You could align yourself with someone that you already know. Like they already know this stuff about you. That person, yes. So I have my mentor. I mentioned him in times past. He's already committed. And I've got a handful of people already committed before I do this work. They've already told me based on the deals we've done before, make sure there's room in this deal for me. And they tell me a number, a fairly significant number. I need at least this much room in your next deal. So 
you know, because I've done, been doing this for 22 years, I'm getting constant emails, texts, phone calls. Do you have something percolating? Do you have something on the go? Because other people with money are planning their quarterly, their half yearly, their annual allocations, where they're putting their money, how much they're investing in different places. And they got monies that they're coming back from this or reinvesting there. They want to know and they want to plan. It's just good business for me to keep in touch with these people and let them know what I'm planning, how much, how much in each year. So, you know, there's a bit of all this is done before, but then in addition to it, alongside is my network of investors and I keep them informed of our progress in a variety of ways. So I am um, keeping those relationships current. Um, some of them, they only want to talk to you once or twice a year. Others, they want to talk to you every month. They're kind of keen. They're interested. They're excited about it. They want to be money managers. They're interested in real estate for a lot of reasons. They're interested in what you're doing. Some are more handsy. Others are send it to me annually. Uh, don't need to follow up. You don't need to take me for a beer. You don't need to take me for coffee. But you're, I am maintaining uh, you're leading that. this into a whole other topic that I think we could actually cover as a whole week. Or just you're probably right. People that's right in, in maintaining relationships. Um, yeah, I think this could be a whole topic to cover. Sure, I think we should cover that. I should stick to my notes. And my last final point is, <laughs> when you have all of that, the, the preceding, and you're already all in on this thing, then you have a clear, a um, simple, and easily described proposal in your presentation. And if it's vague and undeveloped or muddy, and relies too much on these other things happening by other individuals that you can't control, you need to go back and work on it again. It should be the kind of thing that your partner or your investment you know, prospect can describe to their partner while they're driving to pick the kids up soccer. It doesn't need charts. It doesn't need you know, deep dives in this different stuff and arcane knowledge about specific things. We're not inventing cold fusion here. We are buying a underperforming asset at good value. We have a clear plan to fix it up, make it efficient, attractive, profitable, and an exit plan to sell that asset or extract value out of it. It shouldn't be shouldn't take more than five minutes to describe it. You don't need heavy financial terms. And if one partner can't describe it to another partner while they're driving and following Google at the same time, you're probably making it too complicated. You got to break it down and clarify what your goals are and how you're going to accomplish them. It should be that simple. And if you got that, all of that together, you need five minutes with the right people and it's a winner. I, I guarantee it every time. The rest of the time, you're going to talk about the Canucks or football or your kids or, you know, whatever else, travel. Yeah. You're going to be five minutes. It's honestly going to take that long to uh, to make a clear presentation. That's what I, th I think that's been my experience. No, I love it. And I you just created two new topics from that. I think. Look uh, at that. I think we have more topics <laughs> to talk about because I think we could go in deep into each of those. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you're right. Bye. Okay, well, thank you everybody for tuning in. So uh, this was uh, Aurelien. Um, I have a, a course I created uh, about uh, real estate investing as a way of diversifying, and it's an introduction course. Glenn, uh, and I'll put it in the show notes, Glenn has a course also uh, about investing in the US, uh, glennsutherland.com. And Darcy uh, has a website. You can connect with Darcy, darcywhite.ca. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you all next time. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everyone.